The Lord be with you. And also with you. Let us pray. Lord, Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for gathering us together this day to hear your word. Bless us, Lord. Pour out your Holy Spirit upon us, that our hearts would be opened, that our ears would hear, and that your word, your Son, might dwell within us for all time. This we ask in his holy name. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. I'll give you a little warning up front. Uh, I, I really like an interactive uh, lesson with the congregation. So when I'm preaching, if I ask a question, it's not just rhetorical. I'm actually looking for somebody to say something. Okay, so if you, if you don't like speaking out, I might have to call on you. Let's, let's have a little quiz here first. How many people don't like raising their hands in church? Okay, that's, that sets the tone. Okay, let me ask you, I'll start with a question. What do you think would happen if the Lord had decided to reveal himself by coming down in the middle of Jerusalem and standing there in the center of the old city, 125 feet tall, and said, here I am, I'm God, fall down and worship me? Do you think people would have responded to that? Especially Israelites, right? They're stiff-necked people. But if somebody came down that was 125 foot tall and had the powers of God, I'm sure that we would have acknowledged that, that yeah, that's God. Uh, we would have probably worshipped him as God, but it wouldn't have been out of love. It would have been out of fear. We would have, we would have quaked in our shoes at the thought of, such a powerful God. Then when we think about just how powerful God is, just look outside at the sky at night and think about how big the universe is. He created that with a word, his son. But that is not the way God has chosen to reveal himself to us. God created everything that is and he created us for the purposes of relationship. To have a a, a, a bond of love between us and our Creator. It, he didn't want to have children that feared Him. He wanted to have children that loved Him for who He was. And as soon as things got started, Adam and Eve turned right around and did their own thing, didn't they? God says, I've got this wonderful creation here. I've got this beautiful Garden of Eden. I put you here to help take care of it. And you can eat of any tree in the garden, except that one over there. Now, what happens when you tell your kids not to do something? The very first thing they do is go and do it, right? Adam and Eve weren't any different. As soon as God said, don't go to that tree over there, Satan saw his opportunity and said, you know, did God tell you not to eat from that tree? And so that started off the division between us and God. This broke the relationship that he had intended now, did God leave it that way? Did he say, you know what, I think I'll just forget humanity. I'll go back and give the dinosaurs another chance. They had, they had a promising time, but it didn't work out. No, he did not just abandon us. He continued to pursue us across time and history. 
There was one time when he did push the reset button. He started over with Noah. But he didn't give up on humanity entirely. He said, you know what, I'm, I'm going to pursue them to the point in time where I'm going to end up sending my own son into the world to help restore this relationship. This is what Jesus is here for. Jesus is here to bring that relationship back together by going to the cross. He's going to make that sacrifice for the sin that we have that we can't provide. None of us can provide a sinless sacrifice, which is what is required. You look at the psalm here, it says, they have all turned aside. Together they have all become corrupt. There is not one that does good. I wonder where Paul got his, his stuff in Romans. I think he turned to Psalm 14. Well, I have been going through the book of Mark since Trinity Sunday. We've been going through these lessons following the revised lectionary. I use a little different lectionary than the ACNA does, but it's all pretty close to the same readings. I think some places there are a week ahead of me. Uh, but it really struck me when we were starting out early in June, and Jesus is telling the parables to the people. And he's talking about the parable of the sower, and he's talking about the seed and the mustard seed. And all these parables, he's speaking to the people in language that they can understand. They're all farmers. They're all agricultural people. They either raise crops or they raise vines or they raise herds. And so Jesus speaks to them in in a way that can get ideas across to them. He's not trying to speak to them in a way they won't understand. He's trying to do everything he can to tell them things that they will understand. And it says, it struck me very hard. He says, he continued to teach them in parables as much as they could understand. As much as they could understand. So, so God is, is, is showing us that he's reaching out to us. And as we go through Mark here, we see all of these powerful miracles that he does. Now, we know that Jesus is, is acting under the power of the Holy Spirit. When he's baptized in the River Jordan, it's the Holy Spirit that descends on him, that infills him, and it's the power of his ministry. He's showing us, as a human being, what we're capable of if we really embrace the Holy Spirit. In that way. Remember, he told his disciples, you'll do things that are even greater than what I did. So we've been following Jesus through the book of Mark here. And we see that as Jesus continues to do these miracles, they reveal things about himself. They reveal things about God. That he is Lord over illnesses and disease. He can heal the blind. He can cure lepers. He can heal the lame. We find out he's even Lord over life. He can raise the dead. He is pursuing us. He's telling us that God is a God of compassion. And this is what we see in our story today. Now, as Jesus has been doing all these miracles, this big crowd has been following him. They, there's, there's a whole bunch of people in this crowd. Some just want to hear what he's going to say next. Some just want to see what he's going to do next. Some want to be part of these miracles. They're bringing their lame and their illness-ridden relatives to him to be healed. So there are some that have faith that this Jesus can do these things, and there are some that just want to see what's going to do next. They're the groupies of their day. And so in our story here today, as Jesus is feeding the 5,000, 
And I, and I look to Matthew and I look to Mark and I look to John to see all of what is written because I, I say it's one event, but we've got three witnesses here, so take all the testimony, put it together. Don't try and, and put, pit one against the other. Take it all and get the big story. So what's going on here is we've got this crowd that is following Jesus around. It's choking them in so much that he and his disciples can't even sit down and eat in peace. And then we have the story, just recently, John the Baptist has been put to death. And this hits Jesus and causes him to grieve. And he says to his disciples, let's go off to a quiet place. Let's get away from this crowd. Let us go off where we can pray, where we can commune with my Father, where I can have some one-on-one time with you guys. And so they get into the boat, and they go off to this solitary place. Now, the crowd, meanwhile, they see them taken off in the boat. They know, probably have a good idea where he's going, and so they're following along on the shore. In fact, they get to where Jesus is going before he does. And so the boat's coming in, and here's this huge crowd on the shore waiting for him. Now, does Jesus tell Peter, hey, Peter, turn this boat around, let's go somewhere else? No, it tells us that he has compassion on them. They're like sheep without a shepherd. They're following after anything they think will help them. He sees them and he has compassion on them. So he comes in and he begins to teach them and to heal all their sick all day long. This goes on through the morning and through the noon and into the afternoon and into the evening. And finally it's getting late and the disciples come to him and say, Jesus, send these people away so that they can get something to eat. There's nothing around here. And Jesus says, you feed them. You feed them. And they get one response. They say, well, Lord, even if we had 200 denarii, we couldn't buy enough bread so that everybody could even have a little bit. Now, how many know what a denarius is? A denarius. It's a day's pay for a common laborer. So this is like eight months' pay if you're a construction worker. That's a lot of money. They say that's not enough money to buy bread for everybody. And Jesus kind of looks at him. so well, what do you got? And Philip says, well, there's this little boy here. He's got five loaves of bread and two fish. What is that among so many? Now, when you think loaf, don't think about the big, long things you get down at Deerberg's that are already sliced for you. <laughs> think about the little, bo- the little pieces of bread that you get over at uh, Panera for a soup bowl. Just a small loaf of bread. That's what they've got. Five of them and two fish. Jesus says, tell the people to sit down. And he takes the bread and he blesses it and he breaks it. And he gives it to his disciples and he says, you distribute it. And he does the same thing with the fish. And it says that everyone ate and was satisfied. Now they number 5,000 men. In those days they didn't count women and children, but they're there too. And so the best estimates are this crowd was probably between 10 and 15,000 people. And they all ate 
and we're satisfied. Now, this is the time of the year where the Passover is coming up. This is the time of year when they go to synagogue on the Sabbath and the rabbis are reading to them the stories of the people in the desert and the manna and quail that came from heaven, that fed, how God fed them. This is on their minds. This is what they just heard in, in worship this week. And here they see Jesus doing it in person. And they understand that something miraculous is going on here. Jesus tells them to, to take up the leftovers. And they take up 12 baskets full of leftovers. They can end up with more leftovers than what they had at the start after feeding 15,000 people. And just as God fed his people in the desert, they see and witness something that they understand firsthand that only God can do. Jesus is revealing himself to these people in a way that they can't miss. And in fact, it says that he senses that they want to make him king. And so he immediately leaves them. He tells his disciples to get in the boat and go back to where they're going. One gospel says, go where we're headed. The other one says they were pointed to Bethsaida. And the disciples thought they were going to Capernaum. Now, all of those are kind of all in the same place up on the other side of the lake. But it says that Jesus went up on the mountain to pray. And the disciples got in the boat and went out on the lake. And the wind comes up. Remember the story of the storm just a couple of weeks ago where the wind and the waves crashed over the boat and they all thought they were going to drown? It's a very terrible situation. Uh, it reminds me of what just happened down at Table Rock Lake. The storm comes up violently. And the disciples feared for their lives. And then Jesus spoke and said, Peace, be still. And the, and the waves smoothed out and the wind stopped. And the disciples realized something about Jesus that they didn't know before. So here the people have witnessed this miraculous feeding and they understand that God's at work here. And they want to take Jesus and make him king. The disciples are in the boat. They're, they're out on the lake. The wind is coming up. They're rowing against the wind. These guys don't know how to tack and sail like sailors do now. You want to go against the wind, you have to row. And they're into the night and only getting three or four miles out into the, into the water. And Jesus is up on the mountain praying, and he can see what's going on here. And he has compassion on his own disciples. And so he goes to them after the, third wa the fourth watch of the night. He goes to them out on the lake. How many people tell, know how to tell Jewish time? All right, our day starts at midnight, right? It goes from midnight around to midnight. The Jewish clock starts at 6 p.m. and goes through the night, four watches, and then through the daytime, 12 hours, back to 6 p.m. And so when you're reading stuff in your Bibles and it says something about uh, the third hour Jesus was put on the cross, that's 9 o'clock in the morning. The sixth hour is noon. So when you look at the watches of the night, there's four of them. The fourth watch in the night starts at 3 a.m. This is after that. Think about how long these guys have been rowing. Think about how tired they are. And here comes Jesus in the middle of a storm walking out on the water. They look and they think it's a ghost. 
and they're terrified. And what does Jesus say? Don't be afraid. I am. Some of the translation says I'm here, but it, he, he tells them I am. It's the same words that God spoke to Moses from the burning bush. I am who I am. And so depending on which witness is doing the writing here, we have one witness that says that when they recognized that it was Jesus, he said that it was okay, they welcomed him into the boat. The weather smoothed out. But there's one gospel that tells us something else that happened there. Peter saw Jesus out there on the water and said, Jesus, if it's really you, call me and I'll come out on the water with you. And Jesus says, bring it on. And Peter climbs out of the boat and he walks out towards Jesus. He's doing just fine. Until he looks around and realizes it's 4 o'clock in the morning and there's a storm going on. Down he goes. Jesus says, oh, you have little faith. Pulls him up out of the water. They get back in the boat. And the one miracle in this chapter in John that most people just go right past, it says immediately they were where they wanted to go. The boat goes from being out in the middle of the lake to right over at the shore just like that. Jesus has now been revealing to his own disciples his true nature. We think about this doesn't happen until the Mount of Transfiguration when Jesus takes Peter, James, and John up the mountain and reveals his glory to them. But they hear, in this uh, situation, they see something that only God can do take place before their very eyes, and they realize who it is. And when they've crossed over, they land at Gennesaret and anchor there. They've been blown way off course. This feeding of the 5,000 takes place in a little place called Tabka. Uh, if we think of this as being the Sea of Galilee, Capernaum's up here at the top, and Bethsaida is over here to the east, and Tabka is down over here. Gennesaret's even down here. So they had been wanting to go this way, and they end up getting blown that way. They end up getting where they're going. Well, this whole situation here, the feeding of the 5,000 and the walking on water, is God revealing himself. He's revealing himself to the crowd by feeding the people in a way that only God can do. He's revealing himself to the disciples in a way that only God can. And we're going to see in the coming weeks here, as we go through the rest of John through the month of August, we're going to get into what we call the bread of life discourse. And Jesus gets to, back to Capernaum and the crowd is there. They're looking for another meal. And Jesus begins to teach them about who he really is. He says, I'm the bread of life. I'm the one that's going to sustain you. I'm the one that's going to nourish you. We're going to spend all the rest of August going through the rest of chapter 6 of John talking about that. But we have a God who didn't just come and give it to us all at once, but he's given it to us a little bit at a time, a little bit at a time, as much as we can understand. Because this is a God who loves us. This is a God that wants to restore relationship with us so much that he has sent his son into this world to die for us. Before we were ever born, Jesus went to the cross 
to pay for our sins. Yours and yours and yours and mine. I got more of them than you do. I need him. He died to pay for those sins. He rose to prove that he was who he said he was and he could do what he said he could do. And now he sits at the right hand of the Father to send his spirit in love. This is a God who reveals himself and has continued to reveal himself throughout the course of history as a God who loves us. Amen. Let us pray. Lord, Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for revealing yourself to us in a way that we can understand and giving us just as much as we could understand at the time. We thank you and bless you for all your mighty gifts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.